0: characteristic of mindfulness is to be able to bear things in mind so it's not just uh, focusing on a sensation in the present it's the ability to bear something in mind one of the sayings attributes of mindfulness is someone of great mindfulness can recollect the meaning of teachings given long ago so you can sustain a view an understanding with mindfulness it's just like kind of memory really it's associated with the term to remember mm. what enables us to remember really what enables us to remember we uh-huh that meant something mm. stays there yeah? um, so to bear in mind the framework of the teaching of the buddha's teaching and uh so we i think it's always useful to get the the kind of big picture and then look at how the details of practice can support the big picture the a the goal the path so the the first thing useful thing the buddha said (laughs) his first attempts to uh um, the teaching didn't work his first attempt the second attempt was his first statement was uh, the doors to the deathless are open aparuta was the word to be open doors to the deathless are open amata uh, listen i will instruct for those who can bring forth their their faith doors the deathless are open so the sense of rising up with a sense of interest and uh, giving proper attention and this is a uh, enigmatic but obviously very uh, 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 dramatic statement deathless Mm -hmm. and then taught the uh, in many different ways characteristic ways the eight volt path very strongly configured uh, which every every step of that path every function of it is, is an important part it's not so we don't get into one detail to the to the um, without the others he said so perhaps the most important thing is right view which means that whatever detail we're operating on we're looking in terms of causes and conditions rather than self causes and conditions that bring rise to other profitable, useful, less stressful causes and conditions. It sounds a bit abstract, but yeah, you know, it's the way language goes. What are the conditions? Say, okay, so putting aside this, putting aside that, yeah, you know, that requires a kind of quality of application effort just put that aside put that aside pick this up and then stay with this you know pick up what's useful stay with it you know right effort keep putting aside what distracts or obscures or is using up energy and you don't need to use energy on on a topic on your so just put it aside right effort uh, frame it up What's, where does the mind, where does the chitta, rise? What even is the chitta? You know, this quality of that which can rise and be gladdened and be depressed. And uh, the chitta can realise freedom. Chitta can be released. Thinking can't be released, but the chitta can be released. Experience the deathless. So what is what is the chitta? What is the heart? What is the awareness? Come forward, in rise up to be gladdened by. Take as a sign. Stay with this and cultivate it. And this is called samadhi. The nature of chitta is it picks up signs: the sign of the attractive, the sign of the disgusting, the sign of the gladdening, the sign of the despondent. And we look for particular characteristics, signs that beautify, that comfort that gladden in this way of um, non-attachment to externals, but gladdening and brightening the mind towards the deathless. So, that which will die, pass away, end, crumble, doesn't belong, we keep that, yeah, that's that, uh, But that's, I have to deal with that, but my resources come from another, um, you know, to come from somewhere else chitta right chitta doesn't have to die but it doesn't die it just keeps going from in various permutations through lifetimes but you don't have to follow that but that's that's another piece of the picture so with this samadhi is is right there you can't skip it and uh, this gives rise to funny wisdom. So many can't. So these are things one cannot one cannot do without. Uh, and so, for a meditator, must uh, uh, for someone intent on realizing the deathless, touching it, even approaching it, even you know, because anywhere we're approaching, we're lessening. The burdens of the Chitta. Should bear in mind there are called eight no eleven doors to the deathless. Uh, eleven doors, eleven entry points, and these are called the four jhana and um, the four vihara these met called these measures abidings we've been chanting and three immaterial um, states that can be uh, entered through, formless states can be entered through samadhi. So there's eight, sorry there's eleven, and Mm. you know, you don't have to go through all (laughs) eleven. You you go through one, (laughs) so you don't get too overwhelmed by it all. now, uh, you know, we, the sense of unifying, so the mind has to be unified on a theme in order to go through that door. It can't be dithering, scattering, worrying, and so on. And this is what the Samadhi factor is about, unifying. And the quality that is uh, associated with that is called jhana absorption. Uh, so you can't really get very far, if you're reading the suttas, you don't get very far without coming across this term jhana, or the Buddha's, and even, because the English translation doesn't always catch it, but other times when the Buddha says meditate, he often says jayati, you know, jayati bhikkhu, which means absorb, get absorbed bhikkhus. Yeah. It just says meditate because but really you know this, this jhana jaya is the, is the word that's used and not really much samatha vipassana not much vipassanas often they are kind of there but they don't play such a predominant part in the language structure of the buddhas uh, the early buddhist teachings these are details absorb now the difference between absorb and concentrate if you just and again we're dealing with words here and translations of words but just I find there's something quite distinctive that concentrate is generally something that I, I know to do when I'm doing a problem or, or uh, you know a puzzle of some kind there's a sense of so tightening up a bit tightening up to get that strong focus so concentration as an ordinary experience to me is is a process of narrowing attention and sustaining attention on a point so there's a certain holding that point absorption it's different absorption is like a sponge now if you squeeze a sponge tight it doesn't absorb you know, it does exactly the opposite. That's how to make it. You have know, to get the sponge to absorb. You have know, to let it open up. Then it takes in. And as it opens up, it gets larger, doesn't it? You know, it tends to expand because it's absorbing water and it expands. You know? And the image of the Buddha used of what's called the first jhana is is this. Uh, it says it's just as a, uh, a person occupied make, make, you know preparing a bath gets the powder, the bath powder and water, and he kneads it, presses it into the sponge, so it becomes kind of fluffy and foamy. He says this is uh, so this so there's not one part of this sponge that isn't pervaded by this frothy, creamy substance, yeah. This there isn't a single part of it, it's so completely absorbed by that. And it is similarly, for one who cultivates the, the first jhana, there isn't one part of one's body that is not drenched and pervaded by the subtle pleasure that is born of withdrawal, viveka, and dependent upon vitaka, um, bringing to mind vichara, handling, sensing, feeling, pity, a sense of gladness, and sukha, a sense of ease. So this is very much body, in the body. Another teaching on this level same sort of similar or a theme that one can overlap with it, teaching on mindfulness of breathing and certain things I, I, I practice this for 40 years or more and uh, you know after, after about 20 years of <laughs> uh, doing something that wasn't bringing around a lot of rapture or ease but certainly quite concentrated and quite sharp-pointed but frustrating because it was keeping my attention on the nostrils then it didn't always work because sometimes i had a cold or the nose was blocked so i couldn't get it there and it was a sense of quite tight and then when i reviewed the suttas i noticed one predominantly the buddha never mentions meditating, posting attention on the nostrils. So, you, know, you look again and you go through it again, it's not there. <laughs> and you think, well, if this is the great teacher, and this is, why didn't he teach this, if it's essential? Perhaps it's not essential. <laughs> you know, you could do, I guess, but uh, no harm, maybe, it was harming. I wasn't getting any rapture, or bliss, because my mind was too constricted. I was not absorbing, it was tightening. Because the whole impetus was attention. Attention is the ability to form a focus. And generally we we feel attention is really good when that's a sharp, strongly held, pay attention grip, you know? And then, that's what we call as being attentive. And, the Buddha's recommendations on attention is make it wise attention. Not how hard it is or how tight it is, but just whether it's you're attending to something useful, helpful. Uh, it's not that... It's a different reference. Are you contemplating, Bring your attention, you've all got attention, and staying with something that's useful, profitable, steady, Comfortable, supportive for this experience, yeah. Mm. And further, does your attention also tend to get drawn towards the hindrances and distractions? Then, you should, first of all, you should remove it from that. And there are various, you know, either by deliberately thinking of the unpleasing or the useless point of going to that topic. Now, there's a range of ways to just remove one's attention, withdraw, this is the quality of withdrawal, which is emph- emphasized. Withdraw from that theme, it's not working, or it's maybe good sometimes, but now it isn't. It's downright not appropriate. Withdraw your attention from that. Yeah? So this is called attention. And also attend, uh, like, really where is this? What's happening? Now the main thing you did emphasize in many ways, was not attention as intention. Intention, we say, motivation, drive, uh, the will to do um, that which which has an interest, which moves towards. This we learn to be quite uh, wise and uh, uh, examine carefully. Is my intention bound up with? And it gets bound up with. Hindrances to lesser, subtler, and grosser extents. It gets bound up with exasperation, impatience, uh, with immature lunging. You know, like oh, get into this. You know, with no real preparation, just jumps in. Or it's it's sort of irresolute. Well, maybe, oh, yeah, but what about this? Oh, no, I've done that for a minute. What about this? You know, it, it jitters around, or it downright gives up it just sinks. Now this is <laughs> this one is where the where the hindrances take root because this is straight from the chitta, the confused chitta. So we get our in- intentions not just as when I say intention doesn't mean what we deliberately plan, but where our chitta moves, where our heart inclines, and be quite honest about it, because you don't do yourself any favors by um, you know. Self-delusion. Oh, I never experienced your will. <laughs> you know, like, when it's happening, notice that it's a, it's a disease that comes into the citta. The wise person knows when you get the symptoms, don't let it breed. And you turn it. So, this is intention. And to the point where intention becomes one pointed, ekagata, means you've only got one real aim in mind and you're bearing that in mind. Mm-hmm. And this also is, a, is an important uh, factor, or something that becomes conscious, more apparent, as one, as mind steadies down. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's one theme to bear in mind in Gagata. Mm-hmm. Your intention is one-pointed. It doesn't mean a little point like a pinhead. It means that's an attention. Your intention is one-pointed. Yeah. and therefore your attention follows that wherever that goes you lead with the intention attention follows and why is wisely reviewing intention because sometimes it's not that it's kind of grossly wrong it's just sometimes take it a bit easier slow it just slow it down a little yeah uh, make sure you do your preparation first, like you're a, a sort of a wise uh, uh, craftsperson, you get your tools ready, you clean them up, you tidy up your workshop, you check things out, the wood you're going to use, and you sharpen your tools, and you don't just jump in and start hacking away <laughs> with the aim to get this job done, you know. And you calm down a bit, right? Let's have a look at this. No, this needs a bit of sharpening. Don't forget that one. Okay, got your kit. Then let's size this job up. And move into it. So it's maturing, and this this quality uh, of, is, is required all the time. The Buddha said it's like a wise cow. Believe it or not, wise cow. <laughs> wise cow in the mountains. Yeah. So the wise cow is walking around the mountains. When it goes to put a foot forward, it makes sure when it puts its foot on is steady for it's, its foot. Then it doesn't take doesn't take three feet off the ground. <laughs> it only has one foot off the ground. It puts that down. Yep, that's steady. Okay, and then move the other. Foolish cow just oh here we go. Whoop! Crash over the edge of the. <laughs> so you know sometimes we're not even as wise as a cow (laughs) and this helps us to get an understanding also what wisdom means it's not just this intellectual wisdom which has its value but wisdom is like the wisdom to know how to walk in a jungle without stopping your toes on roots how to not wander into ants nest how to not to get bitten by a centipede how to you know You've got some savvy, you've got some know-how. And through this you begin to discern uh, aspects of experience that often we don't have common words for. This is why some of the Buddhist concepts are a little bit tricky, because they're trying to wrap some English words around things that we don't have. They're not common or garden terms. They're not not, even intention. Chitana. and so you just need to know things like stress absence of stress what factors is it getting brighter darker steadier more comfortable you know whatever it is because this must lead to a sense of unification Now with the going back to breathing the breathing process just a few Reminders reminders of people who are interested in this cult, want to cultivate it. The Buddha says, never says breath. He doesn't say watch your breath. Um, so the, it's a process. So breathing is a is a process, isn't it? It's not an ob, it's not a you know, little thing that moves around. It's a whole bodily process. Yeah, and he constantly every there are sixteen uh, phrases that he uses to do, to track this experience in every one of them it's always got this phrase breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in, he knows a long breath. Breathing out, he knows a long breath. Breathing in, he knows a short breath. Breathing out. So very clearly the strongest unifying characteristic is breathing in and breathing out. Mm. So we must be yeah, uh, wise about what's the difference between an in-breath and an out-breath. In terms of sensation not that much in terms of energy very different breathing in literally inspiring brightening swelling something sharpening breathing out something softening calming soothing what words do you have for it get to know it use your own words starts off saying you know one bears the breathing in mind one brings mindfulness the ability to bear something in mind and one contemplates I am breathing in, I am breathing out so yeah and he does go into detail but the detail is not really so much a physical location long seems to begin with a sense of getting the fullness of breathing in and breathing out this may remind of trying to track the entirety of it where that process begins and where you know where the breathing in begins and when it changes into breathing out so we get the completion of it and it's likely that uh in order to uh, this is my suggestion is that why it starts with breathing in long is perhaps because many of us may find us living with a rather limited breath. You know, it just sort of flaps around while we're talking. It doesn't go deep and full. The long breath, breathing in long, you're going to get it right down into the base of your belly. Where does breathing begin? What does breathing? Breathing is operated through a particular um, you can feel it, you breathe out, stop breathing, you'll notice where the breathing begins, you know, deliberately stop breathing, you'll feel pressure building up in your lower belly and it starts to pull, that's where it begins. And then what happens? you it stay down there? No, it doesn't, you can feel swelling in the abdomen and something starts to lift in the lower chest and it spreads up, the body, chest opens, and you feel a a kind of a a wave of it rising up you get some effect in your head generally a kind of a a glowing or tingling in the head and it can be back of of the nose, back of the throat and you also get a sensation in your nostrils that's a very complete thing Mm -hmm. breathing in and then when does breathing in become breathing out? how does that happen? Do you tell yourself to stop breathing in? No, it's involuntary. The body seems to know the energy is full, it's complete, and it pauses. And then it undertakes expelling, breathing out. Bodies do this even when we're asleep. They do this. I think one Aspect of it to, to bear in mind is that it's actually an involuntary process. So less less of the doing on it, more the studying of it. How does a body breathe? So we just wait on refining to get the sense of where your, um, your doing has to operate. You know, what's necessary to do baking a cake you recognise there's a point and you mix it up pop it in the oven and then you let the oven do the work you don't keep stick, poking, pulling it in and out you know? so how much do you need to do ideally if you want to calm you want to do less I would suggest so the least I can do the better isn't that a great idea That's something I have to do, you know. Just holding the body, staying with it. That's that's plenty. And then receiving, receiving. Now this is the path to absorption, where gradually, as you do, as you have to do less, more quality can go into just enjoying, receiving, deepening, maintaining, steadying. you, you know those qualities These are intentions. And, you know, a lot of our intentions uh, in our daily life, I would imagine, are doing intentions. This is the important stuff, is what we do. And the kind of casual stuff is when we start enjoying ourselves. You know, when you get loose, and you enjoy yourself. Well, now here, it's kind of the other way around. The doing, yeah, that's some of it. The big thing to be, take, is to enjoy. You yeah, know, so a very careful, deliberate enjoying. Uh, this may be slightly surprising. But the Buddha says, this is not something to be negligent about, afraid of, fearful of, Oh, I'm getting lost. No, he said. I encourage you to, to enjoy this. Because the mind enjoys opens and softens. And now we're opening and softening to something that is skillful, blameless and deepening. And it helps to, in many ways, to shift our background perception of what a body is because we see this these things moving around all the time we look down there's this thing here and so we say well this is my body yeah. and there's there's a problem a <laughs> problem in waiting that hasn't happened yet this is this is this is the death one this is the sinking ship. <laughs> Paintwork starting to flake off, <laughs> rigging going starting to crumble, a few holes in the hole, never mind, keep going. <laughs> anyway, let's not, this is just me being a little bit. <laughs> but you see, there's another body that you have that, that actually doesn't do that. <laughs> and really it gets a lot better Uh, and and it's more, you're more assured and comfortable in it. This is inner body Uh, and we access this through through, uh, breathing in and out or through any meditation that goes within the experience of the body internally. Uh, It's called Kaya Sankara, the bodily formation. This This is also mentioned in the Anapanasati-sutta kaya sankara. and we translate it as bodily formation, sort of uh, bodily, You know, sort of, it's halfway there, but what does it mean, bodily formation? <laughs> but it says, you know, several things. First of all, when the breathing begins to settle a little more, it becomes less, uh, it becomes quieter then you attune to the entirety of what you experience in terms of your inner body so you feel then it becomes a matter of there are certain pressures certain heats certain movements certain tinglings certain spaces certain solidities, certain fluidities. You attend to that as you're breathing in and out. So you're adjusting perception and then soothing, steadying, soothing, easing the bodily formation. The bodily formation is the how this pattern of bodily experience keeps forming so if we are uh, with this experience we'll notice that that pattern of bodily experience which I've just roughly described um, that's that's a form it's not the form we see with our eyes but there's pressure here, there's warmth here there's movement call the elements touched into them before it was pleasant it was difficult it was comfortable and my encouragement is to turn towards the most comfortable steadying aspects of this inner body that you're experiencing and notice as you breathe in and out Feeling that, tuning to that, and because the mind pick pick up the sign of the comfortable, the steadying, the balanced, wherever that may be, and you calm it steady and you spread it through the body, through this inner body. How do you spread it? Bearing it in mind, you may detect areas in this experience which don't feel so settled or comfortable and you you direct your intention so having steeped your citta in something helpful even if it's not completely drenched and saturated it's got some quality of, of something comfortable or you know profitable you direct with your intentionality, direct this towards areas that are not so comfortable, towards perceptions and experiences that are agitated, tight, flustered, overcharged, buzzing, stiff, thoroughly soothing, calming the Kaya Sankara. This is um, first jhana. As this occurs, you know, we are beginning to absorb in, into, into this experience. And it's rather like, you know, grooming a horse or, or combing your hair. It's a sense of just, you not struggling and tearing it out by the roots. Uh, you just find the knotted pieces and you just keep stroking through, stroking through, stroking through. And uh, remember to, to stroke through, don't just hit the tense piece. Like tearing your hair out, you know, because it's a bit tangled. You kind of soften it, loosen it, gently. Try this way, that way, and just keep brushing, brushing, brushing. So a bit like a, a, rather like a massage. And this, yeah, is is a skill and a cultivation because it requires the wisdom of a masseur or the wisdom of someone who's grooming to know you know how much pressure to apply uh, what qualities to bring into that so you learn some very direct practical wisdom with that wisdom is not separate from samadhi or jhana it is necessary so this is a doorway and Again, another features that we uh, need to bear in mind, which we don't necessarily take into account, is what is absent. Now, we don't notice what's absent because it's not here. But uh, when you're developing this kind of very holistic, uh, thorough attention, you notice what isn't present, right? the disturbances that aren't here. Uh, and so they don't—they don't hover. Right here, right now, the past isn't here. Right now, yesterday isn't here. Right now, you know, a source of intimidation isn't here. Right now, a source of ill will isn't here. Ah, my mind can now expand into that space. My heart can now feel the relief from that pressure. Ah. Yeah. Now, quality of dullness is not present. Ah, my mind can feel the beauty of that. So much of um, what is beautiful is 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 experienced in the absence of the hindering, and one needs to have this quality of of a, of, a, of a spreading attention spreading attention to to notice that. Now. Attention on its own doesn't notice what's absent. But intention does. Right. That's why it's important to focus as much on intention as attention. Now, intention is like, you know, I'm pushing this door, put oh, the door's open. Well, I didn't need much push in there, did I? You notice, because we say attention is the push of the mind, even if it's just the light push. And you push something and immediately you're pushing space, you know it. (laughs) You know, oh, there was no resistance there, right? So you know the difference between, oh, here's an obstacle, here's a constriction. Oh, here's where it's flowing freely. And you notice that. So your intention leads and you attend to what's absent. You know, you take it, you bear it in mind, oh. uh-huh. and let the jitter, in its heart aspect, sense of gladness. Absence can make you very glad, <laughs> whereas I guess for an ordinary person, absence sounds lost and miserable. Uh, you know so that the, the most of the focus could be on accumulating or having more now for a practitioner absence of suffering absence of stress is good and generally what we need to do for that is not to add more but to let go of a little bit of our restrictiveness of the restrictions of the chitta. now you know, this is a cultivation. And, you know, one who uh, seeks their own welfare, high, the highest welfare, bears this in mind, dwells upon this, uh, and gives it due consideration. So, whether they're sitting, breathing in and out, or walking around, or doing whatever they're doing, they bear in mind, the absence of a constriction, the absence of pressure, the absence of holding, Feels. remember this, this feels good. Remember (laughs) it. The absence of that feels like a relief. And so, this is the way one should cultivate dispelling the basis of the hindrances, all the time as much as one can one forgets and you learn from getting frustrated or stuck okay and come back again so a meditation period is like a, a a a recap and a regenerating period to be able to dwell in the simplicity of it yeah to really get our faith and confidence established because now we're looking most directly at what is most intimate most directly experienceable and intimate not dependent upon circumstances or other people or things surely this should be the place where we is most, most assured it's like this now, it really is yeah. hmm? When one's intention is not hasty, not grasping, not rushing, not biased, not, not, you know, corrupted, and it experiences this, and the most simple involuntary process that we have, breathing in and breathing out, surely this is not a delusion. Delusions are activities of mind. They're the mind turning things the wrong way, turning things upside down. Seeing self where there isn't self. Mm. Seeing happiness where it isn't there. Yeah. Seeing constancy and stability in something is isn't constant. Seeing that which is beautiful and that which is not inherently beautiful. It needs beautifying. Yeah. By itself, it's just what it is. We can beautify our bodies, but they're just what they are. They're not necessarily ugly, they're just this, is a body, that's what they are, you know? <laughs> but then there is the beautiful, uh, but we need to find the right place for this, the beautiful, the refreshing, the brightening. One feels a sense of gladness. And it's not created, fashioned, adorned. It's a simple, bare quality uh, that can be uh, accessed. Why this is a door to the deathless? Mm. Because this uh, means we're then abiding in something or qualities uh, that make the mind sharp, clear, comfortable. And we begin begins to notice you know, measurelessness, like the absence of qualities is measureless. Qualities are measurable. The absence of ill will is measureless. You know, my my sense of pleasure, or maybe measurable. It's you know, you can confine it to this cup of coffee or donut or something or there you know, it is you can measure it with that when that goes my sense of pleasure goes the absence of ill will because it's something not happening yeah, and freedom from constriction you can't really measure it So the measureless, though the measure that which can be measured has to be carefully handled, the measureless is something we can relax into, enjoy, feel a sense of gratitude, awe, and respect for. How beautiful this comes! This is this. This is here. The measureless, when it's cultivated also leads to the signless, which means the mind when it's satisfied, you know begins also to withdraw into knowing, into awareness. It's 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 replete, it's comfortable. You know, like you've had your dinner, you're satisfied, that's lovely. And now you withdraw into something more ease. And peace, mind, yeah. And th- so this measure, this quality, uh, this is where this, the mind, the chitta, is not going into the realm of birth, change, endings, beginnings. So, just to be pragmatic again, find out what's necessary. What is necessary, try to resolve upon that. Encourage yourself towards that. Make an effort with that. As much as your body can do it, you know, the bodies have their limitations. As much as your body can do without getting stressed and strained, you know, work within the limitations of that. What's necessary? And then what isn't necessary, can it be put to one side for now? Mm-hmm. This just takes wisdom to discern what is necessary. I, I do encourage a good sitting position or a composed walking qualities or balanced standing so you're standing properly fully with what's necessary mm-hmm. and what's comfortable what gets more comfortable the more you dwell in it mm-hmm. and within that there's the presence of certain qualities notice that and there's the absence of certain qualities and both those features to get a s- discernment for. Now, these realizations are not like 2 and 2 equals 4. They don't have this sudden snap to them. You, they dawn. So, it's a sort of sense of, it's a dawning quality of, hmm. Ah. Mm, feels like, ah. You know, it's a slow quality. Comparatively, compared with the way our thinking minds snap to things. This is more like an emotional sensing out, chitta, chitta quality. So when I'm saying things like take a pause, again, yeah, notice the absence of my voice. particular object to focus on if you're listening to my voice it, mm. you know, it so sort of disappears and what's there beho- after that is silent mm. maybe you were focusing on a particular theme mm. and we said just just loosen around that let that subside what's there when that goes mm. and maybe for a Momentarily, is this open? Something else arises. Notice those open moments. End of a day, end of a meditation period, bell rings. Uh-huh. Pause. What's helpful? When you're walking, notice the pressure of your foot hitting, the, touching the ground, sinking into the ground a little. Notice the sense of when the leg rises. Oh, hmm. that sense is gone. Stay with it, stay with that sense of the lightness and the flow and the movement and in the pressure happening again when your foot touches the ground and presses on it. Hmm. How much is it necessary? We're not stamping, we're not marching, we're not digging our heels into the ground. There's the settling of the foot on the ground, and then the release of it. Notice the releasing. So it's it's a wide span of attention. Because your intention is to cover all of it. Thoroughly cover all, all of it. This is unification. It's not this. Oh, and then that, and then this, and then that, it? So then we begin to recognize the measurable arises within the measureless, dissolves within the measureless, arises within the measureless, dissolves within the measureless. And you've got a. a, 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 a com- I think that's very comfortable. So let's have a pause. and um, make our uh, next uh, group, interview group, pay our respects to the Shrine and interview group, make their way down to the office.